Dr. Mom Butt Balm is a pediatrician-approved skin protectant, free of dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide. It was developed by a mom who is also a doctor when she couldn't find any traditional products that worked for her baby's persistent diaper rash. Diaper rash can be one of the worst experiences your little one has to go through, and keeping their delicate skin happy and healthy shouldn't require a spatula to apply thick, gooby treatments that can be just as irritating and uncomfortable as the diaper rash itself. Use just a small amount of Dr. Mom Butt Balm to help soothe your baby's skin and feel good about making the right choice. Dr. Mom is committed to providing an ultra premium formula for moms who will not settle when it comes to their little ones. Help your baby feel better and get relief from irritating diaper rash with simple quality ingredients, no artificial dyes or preservatives, so it's gentle on your baby's delicate skin. Head to amazon.com or walmart.com to grab Dr. Mom Butt Balm because nothing comes between you and your baby, especially not diaper rash. Back in the day when my girls were born, it was not easy to share photos and videos with loved ones, but you have a fantastic option available, the Family Album app. The Family Album app was created in 2015 and has operated in the long term to give parents a secure and easy way to share photos and videos with loved ones. It's a totally secure personal haven for your family's memories. I love that there's no third-party ads, no unwanted eyes. Now let let me share some of the great features that make the Family Album app a go-to app. First off, the app automatically sorts photos and videos by month, allowing you to swipe back in time and see how your child has grown. No more scrolling through endless feeds or searching through folders. Another cool feature about the Family Album app is you can order eight free photo prints every month to be delivered to your home. It's really nice to have some tangible pictures to hold onto or share to document each month of your baby's life. Plus, the Family Album app has unlimited storage and it is totally free. Yes, you heard that right. No more worrying about running out of space or being bombarded by ads when you're just trying to relive those heartwarming moments. So if you are still trying to use other messaging apps for your kids' photos, it is time to level up your family photo game with a free photo sharing app. Head over to the App Store today, search Family Album, it's all one word, download the app and start creating a legacy of love one photo at a time. So if you get too completely dilated, push for two hours, have a C-section and get told that it was because the baby is too big for your next pregnancy, can you have a successful unmedicated vaginal birth of a bigger baby? Well, yes, you can. And that is what Erin is going to share in her birth story today about her successful VBAC. Welcome to the All About Pregnancy and Birth podcast. I'm Dr. Nicole Calloway-Rankins, a board-certified OBGYN who's been in practice for nearly 15 years. I've had the privilege of helping over 1,000 babies into this world, and I'm here to help you be calm, confident, and empowered to have a beautiful pregnancy and birth. 
quick note, this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not a substitute for medical advice. Check out the full disclaimer at drnicolerankins.com forward slash disclaimer. Now let's get to it. Hello there. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. This is episode number 185. As always, I'm so glad that you are spending some of your time with me today. In this birth story episode, we have Aaron. Aaron is a former middle school teacher turned stay-at-home mom to two wonderful kiddos, Ellie and Ryan. Her husband, she and her husband Dan have been married for eight years. They spent four of those years living in Colorado and they moved to Michigan in 2020 during the initial peak of the COVID pandemic when she was three months pregnant. And she's going to share some of that in the episode today. She loves running, hiking, strength training, and she's excited to get back into rock climbing since her daughter is now taking classes. Erin is sharing her amazing story of her successful VBAC. Despite her first birth ending in a cesarean after pushing for two hours, she was crystal clear that she wanted to try for a vaginal birth for her next pregnancy. And she's going to share some of that thought process with us in the episode And in order to have the best chance of success, she took it upon herself to get incredibly prepared, including having a great team that this time included a midwifery care team and a doula. You're going to hear how things ended up going so fast that really her only option was an unmedicated VBAC because when she got to the hospital in an ambulance, by the way, She was completely dilated and pushed out her nine pound, six ounce baby shortly after arriving. You know, I love a great birth story episode and this one is no different. I love it and you are going to love it too. As I mentioned, Erin took it upon herself to get incredibly educated and I have a fantastic option for childbirth education for you as well. It's called the Birth Preparation Course. The Birth Preparation Course is my signature online childbirth education class that will get you calm, confident, and empowered to have the most beautiful birth. Childbirth education is so important, especially when you're giving birth in a system that too often can take a patriarchal approach to birth, can take away women's power about what happens in their own bodies and can be racist. Good childbirth education prepares you not only for what to expect in your body and the process of labor and birth, but also gives you the tools that you know to advocate for yourself within that system. And yes, I know that system very well because I have been in it for a long time. I've been practicing now for nearly 20 years. So check out all of the details of the birth preparation course so that you too can get calm, confident, and empowered for your birth. You can head to drnicolerankins.com forward slash enroll to join us inside the course today. All right, let's get into this birth story episode with Aaron. Thank you so much, Aaron, for agreeing to come onto the podcast. I am so excited to hear about your successful VBAC. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to share my story as well. Yes, so why don't you start off by telling us a bit about yourself and your family? So my husband and I have been married for eight years now. Um, We used to live in Colorado, and we actually just moved to Michigan two years ago 
when I was three months pregnant and about eight months into, you know, the stay at home order with COVID and everything. Oh, fun times, yep. but not really. <laughs> right. And then we have two kids now. My daughter is four and a half years old and my son is almost 17 months old. Okay. Okay. All right. And your first birth was a cesarean. Obviously we're going to talk about the VBAC, but we need to know about the first birth a little bit so we can understand how you got to the successful VBAC. So your right. first birth was a cesarean. Why did you have a cesarean for that pregnancy? So my goal with my first birth was also to have an unmedicated vaginal birth. Mm -hmm. um, clearly it did not go as you know I had hoped. Right. Um, I think essentially it was a kind of cascade of interventions that mm. led to uh, the cesarean in the end. Okay. Um, my water broke uh -huh. about seven o'clock in the morning and my doctor at the time was an OB, uh -huh. um, and she wanted me to come to the hospital right away. Okay. I was having zero contractions, mm. no signs of, you know, labor starting right away. So we got to the hospital. They gave me five hours for labor to start on its own uh -huh. and it didn't. <laughs> I was sitting on the birthing ball, walking the halls, right. um, nothing started moving at that point. So right. they started me on Pitocin. Okay. And after nine hours on Pitocin, I finally said, I need an epidural. <laughs> the Pitocin-induced contractions at that point had gotten really, really intense. Mm -hmm. Almost no break in between them. Mm. Um, just really unmanageable. Sure. And they decided to, you know, see how far dilated I was uh -huh. before the epidural. Uh -huh. I was two centimeters. Okay. <laughs> so when they said that, yeah, I said, yes, definitely epidural at this point. Okay. As soon as I got the epidural, my daughter's heart rate dropped. They did an internal fetal monitor, took me off the Pitocin for a little bit to labor down. Uh -huh. And then I think about 14 hours after my water had broke, I started pushing. Okay. I pushed for two hours. Okay. Um, my OB was with me for about the last 30 minutes, uh -huh. but all my pushing was on my back, same position. Um, and after the two hours, my doctor had said essentially that she was confident I was pushing strong in the right direction, mm -hmm. but baby wasn't moving down at all. So her recommendation was a C-section. Okay. Um, and, you know, at that point, my husband and I were exhausted. I, you know put a lot of trust and faith in my doctor. Sure. So we said, okay, let's, you know, let's just go in and do that. Okay. And, you know, after 22 hours, uh, 22 hours after my water broke, mm -hmm. she was, you know, pulled out via cesarean, okay. which was a struggle. My doctor said she couldn't even hold a pen for two days afterwards okay, um, <laughs> because it was that tough to get her out. Okay. I had lodged her down in my pelvis. Okay. Okay. And how much does she weigh? She was eight pounds, 14 ounces. Okay. So it's a pretty solid size. So yeah. some people might have that experience the first time and decide the next time that they may not want to go through that again to get all the way to, to pushing and then have a C-section. How did you come to the decision that you wanted to go for a VBAC? So I, part of it, I really just wanted to experience what natural labor was like. Mm -hmm. um, since I was Pitocin induced and the cesarean the first round, I didn't get to experience any part of natural labor short of my water breaking. Sure. sure. Um, so that was definitely part of it. I also, I did a lot of research ahead of time too. And I personally felt for myself and the baby that mm -hmm. a VBAC was really what I wanted to go for. Okay. okay. Um, I would say it wasn't until... A couple months into my pregnancy, one of my closest friends at the time 
She, her first son was at a birth center. Uh-huh. This time, her second pregnancy ended up, um, her son was breech. Okay. So she couldn't go to the birth center. Okay. Um, and ended up finding a doctor who was willing to do a vaginal breech birth essentially after she went into labor. Okay. Um, so the amount of advocating she did for herself really made me feel, you know, I can advocate for myself too. Gotcha. And I feel like my body can do this. So I'm, I'm going to go for it. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Side note. Did she have a successful vaginal breach birth? She did. Okay. Yes. All right. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Love it. Yep. So did your wish to have a VBAC influence your choice of your doctor at all? It definitely did. Okay. So the OB that I went with for my first pregnancy, mm-hmm. I wasn't able to stay with them anyway because we moved sure. to Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I first was asking her at my initial appointments about, you know, my wish for a VBAC, mm-hmm. her response is, I didn't, I wasn't very confident that they were actually going to be fully supportive. Mm. Um, it was essentially, you know, we'll evaluate you late in pregnancy. And if it looks like you'll, you have a high chance of a successful VBAC, we'll let you do it. Mm. Um, otherwise, you know, they'd really push for a repeat C-section. Okay. So I had friends who had really good experiences with midwives. Uh-huh. Um, and that's what I decided to switch to when we moved to Michigan. Okay. Um, okay. I felt like they, you know, I'm really glad there are OBs like you out there. <laughs> um, and I think there are more OBs like you that you can find, but it doesn't seem to be as easy to find mm-hmm. an OB who's really supportive mm-hmm. as it is to find a midwife who know, can't do those interventions anyway. Gotcha. 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 So this was a midwife practice that delivered in a hospital. Yes, that was definitely since I had the C-section previously, Uh I definitely wanted a midwife group that birth a midwife group that birthed in a hospital Mm -hmm. and also worked with an OB group. Mm -hmm. So if there was any reason or need to switch over to an OB, um, it would be a smooth transition during labor at the hospital. Okay. Awesome. So, um, with the, with the midwives, when you said, Hey, I want to have a VBAC and you told them what happened with your first, uh, labor and birth, how were they, were they supportive? What was the feedback that you got? They were amazing. Um, they were very supportive and it was a big group of midwives. So I saw different ones for most of my appointments, Mm -hmm. but each of them was very, they seemed excited that that's what I wanted to do Mm -hmm. and that I wanted Mm -hmm. to go unmedicated. Uh, They also told me, you know, the nurses at the hospital, they're excited about those births too, to work Mm -hmm. with the women who are going unmedicated and, you know, might need that extra help to get them um, through the labor and pushing. So you didn't, you didn't feel like you got any, any pushback of like, oh, you should probably get an epidural because you've had a previous C-section. Did you get anything like that? No, they were very supportive mm-hmm. of my wishes and mm-hmm. everything I brought up. Um, you know, I explained my previous birth to them and how I was given five hours for labor to start and mm-hmm. I had to go to the hospital right away after mm-hmm. my water broke. And, you know, they said, oh, no, we would, you know, give you 12 hours. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that point, we would recommend Pitocin, but it's still a recommendation, not, you know, hey, we need to do this because we have to get the baby out. Right, right. Okay. I'm just like sighing because I wish (laughs) we would all do that because that's how we should all really practice, you know? Right. Um, But I'm glad you found a group and a practice that was much more like supportive. Did you meet any of the physicians at all or you just stuck with the midwives? I just stuck with the midwives. Mm -hmm. Um, It was a really good group. So, you know, I just went in with the faith that if I had to get switched to the OBs, they're also a good group that they work with. Okay. 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 
As an OBGYN and podcast host, I'm excited to share a resource that empowers mothers and mothers-to-be in managing their pelvic floor and core health. It's called Informed Pregnancy Plus, and it offers access to essential workshops that can significantly enhance your understanding and care of your body during and after pregnancy. Discover the Core Connection, a foundational five-episode series by Natalie Headings, a pre-postnatal exercise specialist. This series covers the basics of pelvic floor health, teaches key postural adjustments, and shows you how to activate your core properly. For a more comprehensive experience, check out Mindful Movement. This premium series provides in-depth content, including practical exercises and personalized strategies to strengthen your body. It's like having a pelvic health expert in your home. You can try the full subscription streaming library of Informed Pregnancy Plus absolutely free. Visit informedpregnancy.tv to start an empowered journey toward a healthier motherhood. Take this step for your health, your body, and your baby will thank you. So then how was your prenatal care and your pregnancy in general? In general, I would say it was pretty great. Um, with my first pregnancy and my second pregnancy, the first trimester was essentially filled with nausea, Mm. um, just to the point of nothing sounded good. I couldn't think of what I was going to eat. Um, but as soon as I hit 13 weeks, both pregnancies, a switch just flipped and I felt fine. I had high energy. Um, I was able to run till 36 weeks this pregnancy, strength training, everything felt really good. Okay. As far as prenatal care, you know, with the midwives, it was great. There were a couple issues that popped up with my pregnancy. Okay. I, at my 20 week ultrasound, they found a marginal cord insertion Mm -hmm. and the big risk with that is low birth weight. Mm -hmm. So I had a couple extra ultrasounds during my pregnancy because of that to make sure that baby was growing appropriately. And actually at my repeat ultrasound, they said, oh, the cord insertion is normal now. Okay. Okay. But <laughs> I, have but... My, I have a picture of my placenta after uh-huh. I gave birth. Uh-huh. It is the most marginal cord insertion it could possibly be. <laughs> it is not in the center of the placenta. It's all the way on the side. <laughs> yeah, so that, that was, it actually hadn't gone away. It sounded right. Like, yeah. It had yeah. no impact on my pregnancy, um, which was great. Okay. Well, that's yeah. good. That's good. Yeah. That's good. And, um, oh my God, I was going to ask you something about prenatal care. Oh, what was the difference between the care you got from the midwives and your, the care you got from the OB? How did the prenatal care differ? Um, as far as the care went, it was relatively similar. Um, you know, I asked pretty similar questions both times around Mm -hmm. the OB group that I worked with the first time also seemed very supportive of, Mm -hmm. you know, an unmedicated birth Mm -hmm. in the hospital setting. Um, I would say overall, the OB group didn't spend as much time getting to know me as a person Mm -hmm. as the midwives may have. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So overall, I felt a little bit more comfortable and at ease with the midwives. Um, But otherwise, everything was pretty standard with, you know, the appointments, um, the ultrasounds, everything, you know, went pretty smoothly for me. Okay. 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 So what did you do to prepare for your birth? Oh, anything and everything. (laughs) Um, I used to be a middle school science teacher before having my daughter and a stay-at-home mom. So I am, I'm very organized and like to do my research and have things planned out. Right. So my husband and I took an online birth course that was 
directed towards unmedicated hospital births. Okay. And then, you know, I got every book I could find out of the library on Mm -hmm. feedback, natural Mm -hmm. birth, Mm -hmm. um, anything that I could find, read birth stories. Gotcha. Um, One thing that made a huge difference for me, I also did daily meditations, Ah. which has also carried over into, you know, mom life. (laughs) Um, I think it really helps me take a much more calm approach and attitude towards everything. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And then where did you find the daily meditations? So I actually, I downloaded the Headspace app. Uh They have a couple pregnancy courses, which were really great. And then there's also a book that um, he wrote as well that's geared towards pregnancy. Oh, nice. So I read that book, which also kind of helped shift the mental attitude, I would say. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So much of it is where you start in your mindset. So I'm really glad that you said that and mentioned that because it makes a huge difference. And as you said, it most certainly carries over into being a parent. Right. (laughs) For sure. For sure. For sure. So what are some things that you wanted for your birth? I know you said you want to unmedicated. Um, What are there any other things that you wanted? Um, I definitely wanted the immediate skin to skin. You know, I missed that Mm -hmm. with my daughter in the C-section. Right. Uh, She had low blood sugar at birth. Um, I was told, you know, I asked questions about C-section with my Mm -hmm. OB just in case I needed to have one. Sure. And I was told they do things like delayed cord clamping and immediate Mm -hmm. skin to skin, Mm -hmm. even if you have the C-section. Okay. But I didn't get that. (laughs) Just because, I mean, why not? Did they say why? They didn't specifically say why. No. Um, you know, I heard her cry when they pulled her out. Right. But um, like I said, I know she had low blood sugar. I don't know if there right. were any other signs that they right. you know, wanted to right. examine her right away. Right. My only right. other thought, I lost a lot of blood. Okay. Um, they had actually called for a couple liters to be brought to the OR. Okay. They didn't have to give them to me. Um, right. But I was, you know, on that border. So I don't know if okay. it was more that they needed to take care of me. Sure. Um, and that's why they had to skip it. Okay. Yeah. So that was definitely a big thing that I wanted. Did they at least show her to you or like your husband could hold her or partner could hold? My husband got to go over when they were, you know, Uh measuring her and weighing her. And then they had a TV screen that I, you know, could see her. But that was really it. After it was probably five or 10 minutes after they pulled her out, they brought Uh her over onto my chest. Okay. But okay. at that point, it was really awkward because I'm still out on the table, you yeah, know, arms really, spread wide. Yeah, and, yeah, and, you know, this, there's this baby that I is slippery and yeah. trying to figure out how to hold on to her. Yeah, yeah, it is really awkward. As a matter of fact, I was um, looking into apparently there's a, a type of um, uh, carrier that you can use in the OR for skin to skin where you can just kind of put it on before you get started. And this is a side note, put it on mm-hmm. before you get started, um, for the C-section and they can just like tuck the baby down in when the baby's born. So oh, that's amazing. I, yeah. I think we <laughs> yeah. need to like look at some other options cause it's so like weird when your arms are out and all that kind of right. stuff. So, it was very yeah. awkward. You know, yeah. Great. Yeah. Because you know, you're meeting your baby for the first sure. time, but it just, it's not the same. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, so you want a skin to skin, want an unmedicated, delayed cord clamping, any other things in particular that, that you wanted? I definitely wanted to make sure I had a very, very supportive team mm-hmm. um, with wanting the unmedicated VBAC specifically. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. my husband and I this time decided to hire a doula. Okay. And she was also a birth photographer. She okay. was such a critical part of our team. Nice. Um, my labor was so short that we didn't spend that much time with her at the hospital. Okay. But it was still just... The preparation with her ahead of time and knowing uh-huh. that she was there to help me uh-huh. made such a big difference. 
Gotcha. And then I definitely wanted some freedom of movement and position changes too. Okay. 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 And, um, I, I, you know, I know the answer to this is yes, but I'm sure the midwives are like, sure, you can move around, you can change positions. Midwives mm-hmm. are going to support things like that for sure. Yeah. Yep. They were very supportive of that. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, at what point did you hire the doula? Um, probably about midway through my pregnancy, I think is when we started to reach out. I wanted mm-hmm. to make sure that I had one who would be available <laughs> for my birth. There were a lot of different midwives in the, or a lot of doulas in our area that okay. were already booked way past my due date. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. So, okay. you know, the one that I found, she actually was a doula more part-time and okay. does family photography and things like that. Okay. Um, also, which has been great because we've had her... I got to see her a couple times since the birth, oh, too, to do family right. photos. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. That's really, really nice. And um, how many times did you meet with her before the birth? Um, in person, it was just one prenatal visit that we had. Mm-hmm. Um, she also did maternity photos for us, so we had that okay. bonus chance to get to know her a little bit more. Right. Otherwise, right. she was available via phone, text, email. Okay. So if I had questions, I could check in with her. Sure, sure. And you felt like it's like see I my like unknowledgeable self when I first heard about doulas I always thought that like oh they just show up at the birth but it's so much more than that they're actually available during your pregnancy right. to support you and help you and it may not even necessarily be like in person tons like you said but definitely available by text and email to add all those additional like levels of support that people should have right she became more like a friend versus mm-hmm. you know a doctor or midwife support. Right. Yeah. 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 So let's talk about what happened for how did your labor and your birth go? So how did that go? Oh, this was, it was completely different from my first experience. <laughs> so I see, I know the ending. So I'm like, I just can't wait to hear <laughs> yeah. this story. So yeah. So tell us what happened. Yeah, so I was, I think about five days past my due date, which was also okay. when I went into labor with my first daughter. Okay. Um, I woke up, I think around midnight and just felt some cramping in my lower abdomen. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking, oh, I think early labor started. Right. You know, it's just right. a little bit of cramping, right. but I really, really wanted to sleep. <laughs> so <laughs> until about two o'clock, I just tossed and turned, couldn't really get comfortable, was right. still feeling some what I'm calling cramps. Okay. Even though looking back, they were contractions. Okay. <laughs> I was, you know, kind of fooling myself there. At two o'clock, I woke my husband up and said, Hey, I can't really get comfortable. I'm just having some cramping. I think it's just early labor. Right. You can get some get some sleep because we probably have a long day ahead of us. Okay. So I'll just go downstairs and watch TV. Right. You know, he double checked, said, are you sure you don't want me to come downstairs with you? Are you right. sure you're okay? Like, right. yeah, it's just early labor. Right. Don't worry about it. I'm right. fine. <laughs> So I went downstairs, put the TV on, um, probably within 10 or 15 minutes, I had to go get the birthing ball because my, what I was still calling cramps were Mm -hmm. getting a little more intense, Okay, but they felt just like more intense period cramps to me. Okay. The Pitocin induced contractions felt much more like my entire uterus tightening and getting hard, which is what I was waiting for. Gotcha. (laughs) So, you know, I was using the birthing ball, still going through it on my own for about an hour. Mm Mm-hmm. And in there, I had even, I downloaded a a contraction timer app. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. I was using that and it was like four minutes and 30 seconds in between and then three minutes and then 345 and then 245. (laughs) And then it says 
time to go to the hospital. <laughs> and I'm still thinking, no, no, You're these like, aren't no. regular contractions. Right, 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 right. <laughs> that should be coming, you know, every three minutes or every four minutes. Right. So it's just early labor. The app's wrong. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> and then pretty soon after that, in the middle of a contraction, I felt a pop and my water broke. Okay. And that's when it really got intense really, really quickly. Okay. Okay. Um, as soon as my water broke, I felt really intense rectal pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, the What still felt like a cramping sensation, uh-huh. my actual contractions were okay. getting stronger then too. Okay. I went to the bathroom. You know, I, my thought was, oh no, I'm going to get the carpet all a mess. Right. Got to go, you know, get myself cleaned up right away. <laughs> And at that point, there was a little bit of blood, not enough that I really felt concerned, but in the back of my mind with, you know, having the previous C-section, I'm thinking, okay, Okay. I want to analyze these sensations, make sure there's no uterine rupture going on. Right, right, right. And at that point, I was wishing that we had been at the hospital 30 minutes earlier. (laughs) (laughs) So I had to go upstairs, wake my husband up and Uh say... Right. Call the midwife. Call our doula. Right. Call my sister right. who lives four minutes away to stay with our daughter. Gotcha. So, you know, he calmly makes all the calls, uh-huh. grabs suitcase to head out to the car. Okay. We made it as far as the car uh-huh. and I had a really strong contraction, was, you know, leaning over the seat of the car and just thinking to myself, I don't think I can get in the car right now. Right. Oh my God. You know, I couldn't, right. we were 30 minutes away from the hospital Ooh, and I just okay. couldn't envision sitting in the car for just, 30 minutes right. and making it. <laughs> right. Right. And so about what time was this now? Three o'clock, maybe a little after three o'clock. So what, okay. So they contraction started around 12 and then by three o'clock water had broken and now you're trying to get into the car and things have like ramped up. Right. I told my okay. husband, I said, I really, really feel like I need to push now. Right. And he's th- he said, well, th- this is too soon. I'm just going to call 911. <laughs> okay. You know, he took charge and said, you know, he didn't want to be driving in the car sure. and have to, you know, pull over and right. handle things himself. So right. Right. I'm so glad that he was able to stay calm and make that decision himself. Right. Otherwise, right. I would have stood in the car door for the next 30 minutes. Like, <laughs> just like, I, just I can't, can't get in the... You're right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so he called 911 right away. Okay. And then moved me into the house. He got some towels to lay down on our dining room floor. Uh-huh. I just got on hands and knees. Right. Um, the rectal pressure was the worst. Contractions, okay. I would say... We're totally manageable, not that bad, but uh-huh. the rectal pressure was awful. Right. Like, our birthing class had mentioned, you know, if a laboring woman says she has to, she feels like she has to go poop, she it's probably time to start pushing. Mm-hmm. I was thinking, no, it feels like that's where the baby's coming out right now. Okay. Like it's like <laughs> trying to come out of my, like it's just going to blow my whole backside out for <laughs> like cl- clean language. As much. <laughs> Right. That is what it felt like. Yes. So, you know, I'm just on hands and knees. My sister gets there and, you know, go takes the dog upstairs and, you know, make sure that my daughter's uh, okay. She slept through all of this. Of course. I was was not being quiet by any means. I was, you know, letting all the sounds out. (laughs) Pretty quickly, the EMTs arrived then. Okay. You know, they checked me to make sure he wasn't crowning. Uh Um, And then the paramedics arrived. They got me on a stretcher to okay. ride in the ambulance. Okay. So now I have this intense rectal pressure and I'm laying on my back on a stretcher, oh. <laughs> which, you know, made it a lot worse, but there right. was nothing I could do about it. Right. Right. They ended up getting us to the hospital in 15 minutes. Wow. So at least it they... cut down the time a lot. <laughs> yes. A lot. Yeah. They're, <laughs> you know, middle of the night, no traffic and mm-hmm. in the ambulance. Mm-hmm. Um, they were able to get us there really quick, but then- okay. 
And I'm sure they had lights and sirens on at this. Oh yeah. Yeah. At this point I was probably going through transition. So the strongest part of my labor was strapped to a stretcher in the ambulance. (laughs) Oh, okay. Okay. The paramedics were really great. Um, Uh One of them was timing contractions which were coming about every two minutes for the whole ambulance ride and okay. lasting about 30 seconds. Okay. And then the other one was up by me and, you know, checking to see if he was crowning in between every contraction, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. telling me I was doing great, being really supportive. Right, right. Meanwhile, right. when we pull into the parking lot, I'm thinking to myself, you know, the contractions aren't bad. I can handle the contraction, but I might have to ask for an epidural because of the rectal pressure. <laughs> it's just... <laughs> it's, the worst wow it was that intense it was just that bad yeah okay contractions the whole time were really just like intense period cramps Uh but the The pressure pressure was just so much right all right this episode is sponsored by by heart by heart is an infant nutrition company built from the ground up to deliver real innovation on behalf of babies and parents Their mission is simple, make the best formula in the world. Using the latest in breast milk science, ByHeart created a clinically proven, easy to digest infant formula that's made with organic grass-fed whole milk, certified clean ingredients, and features a patented protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. Their blend includes the most abundant protein found in breast milk, alpha-lac, as well as lactoferrin, the number one protein found in colostrum. In addition to its patented protein blend, their formula includes prebiotics and an 80-20 whey to casein ratio like in early breast milk, which is tailor-made for a newborn's digestive system and makes it an easy to digest formula. Curious about ByHeart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com forward slash podcast with code Dr. Nicole for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. When we got to the hospital, though, you know, my doula was already there, which was amazing. That's good. She got the, I texted her at two to let her know that, you know, I thought it was early labor, just some cramping. So she mm-hmm. had a heads up for the day. Mm-hmm. And then my husband called her at three and said, we're going to the hospital now. Right. <laughs> and then she gets another call. Um, we called 911. I don't think we're making it to the hospital. Right. So she right. turned around to come towards our house. Gets oh. another call. We're in an ambulance to the hospital. Got it. Yep. But okay. she beat us there, which was amazing. That is impressive. You know, <laughs> getting there and seeing her face just totally calmed me. Like, okay, okay it's going to be okay. Right. We got this. My right. team's here. <laughs> right. Okay. Okay. So then you get to the hospital and then what happens once you get to the hospital? Um, the midwife and a nurse greeted us at the entrance also. They debated, you know, they could tell how far along I was just mm-hmm. with, you know, sounds and mm-hmm. how close contractions were. Mm-hmm. Um, triage was the closest room. So they pulled in there. I was fully dilated, ready to push. Okay. (laughs) They thought that I might deliver in the triage room, Sure. but decided after my next contraction, like, you know what, we're just going to go for it. So, you know, they pushed me, um, on the bed down Uh to a labor and delivery room. Okay. 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 And at this point, as soon as I got off the stretcher, I was like, I want to be on hands Uh and knees. That is the only position I want to be in right right, now. Right. (laughs) Like relieve this pressure a little bit for me. Right. Right. So I 
pushed, I think only for about 15 minutes. Oh, where was your husband? When did he get there? He got to ride in that ambulance. Oh, good. Okay. Which was great. Okay. We weren't really sure about that because Uh of COVID restrictions at the time. Okay. I think technically he shouldn't have been allowed to. Got it. Um, Got it. But, you know, they're not going to leave my husband when I'm so far along in labor, you know, not to be with me. Okay. Well, good. Good. good, Yeah, he was up front listening to me the whole time and not being able to come back and support (laughs) me. But yeah, he did his best. Yeah, he did all he could, I guess. Gotcha. Gotcha. So you 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 got to the triage and was it triage and labor and delivery that did they at least get you up to wherever labor and delivery was? Or did you have to stop in the the regular ER? Um, The entrance for labor and delivery is through the regular ER. Oh, that's nice. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So there is a triage room there. Got it. And actually, this is something I had forgotten. My midwife, you know, she when she started to check me asked, have you been feeling any movement? And I'm thinking to myself, that was the last thing on my mind. I have yeah, no idea if yeah. I felt movement for the last three hours. <laughs> yes, yes. Because it feels like I'm, my behind is about to blow out. Like, I don't right. know. Like, yes. Yeah. You know, they got the fetal <laughs> monitor on. He was doing just fine. Okay. Which, okay. You know, made me feel relieved because, sure, sure. like I said, I just was not thinking about, yeah. is he moving? Is he okay? Yeah. yeah. And that's totally natural because it, it's going to grab all your attention. Like you just, that's just not something that you necessarily think about. Right. For sure. For sure. Okay. So they whisked you to late to a labor and delivery room. Mm-hmm. And by then you were ready to push and you said you only pushed for how long? It was about 15 minutes. Okay. All yeah. right. Um, most of that was on my hands and knees. Okay. The, my doula, you know, was doing amazing double hip squeezes. Uh-huh. The, um, one of the nurses that was with me, she was right up, you know, holding out of my hand, uh-huh. giving me reminders to breathe and relax in between contractions, right. you know, right. to kind of shift my sounds to be deeper, mm-hmm. to really help with mm-hmm. uh, pushing him down and out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I was having a little bit of a struggle getting him that last little bit out. Okay. So my midwife had recommended doing a position change. So they rolled me onto my side. Okay. Um, and like on the next contraction, I was able to push him right out with that. That did the trick. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. And um, did they do skin to skin right away? And They did immediate skin to skin. They did delayed cord clamping for about two minutes. Mm-hmm. He was making some, you know, kind of guttural sounds is how they described it. Okay. So after two minutes, they asked me if it was okay to cut the cord so they could um, go look at him. Sure. Um, they were assuming that he just had some extra fluid left in his lungs because yeah, I pushed him out so, so fast. fast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. He didn't have a chance for the birth canal to help squeeze that out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. so my husband got to cut the cord this time Okay. and you know, that immediate skin to skin to like cord clamping. Mm-hmm. Yeah. was great. <laughs> love it. Love it. Love it. So did you have to get any stitches or anything? I did. Um, I had a second degree perennial tear, okay, which was also jagged. So my midwife wanted to call an OB down to help with that um, okay. since it wasn't just a straight tear that she's used to stitching up. Okay. And then I had two secondary internal tears as well. Okay. Yeah. How was that part? Because, you know, I, I love a, a, an unmedicated birth is so fabulous. And then I always like my heart is like, oh, if they if people have tears and you have to get anesthesia to numb like so so what was that like for you i would say there were enough other sensations going on at that point that Mm -hmm. getting the stitches done yeah i couldn't feel anything it the only annoying part of that i would say is that i still had to be 
more restricted with how I was sitting and laying. Okay. You know, I was ready to be sitting up and you yeah. know moving a little bit more, but I had right. to still be laying, you know, reclined, but gotcha. mostly on my back at that point. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, that's good that the repair itself wasn't that um, painful. Did it take a long time since you had a few? Uh, it felt like it took a pretty long time. I mm-hmm. don't know exactly, but I'd say at least 15 minutes is what it okay. seemed like. That's actually not that that atypical and that second degree tear is very common after after birth so now had they brought him back to you by that point like was he with you or was was. he still being okay good good they only had to take him for a few minutes essentially uh, and then they brought him back over so I was able to still hold him while they were stitching me up Mm -hmm. and then I also you know let my husband hold him and do some skin to skin okay okay yeah that's the best distraction (laughs) yep (laughs) yeah So then what was your um, recovery and everything like? It was actually a lot harder than I was expecting. Mm, Why is that? In my mind, I was thinking, you know, I had a C-section previously and Mm -hmm. I've gone through that recovery. So Mm -hmm. a vaginal birth will be easier. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a very straightforward C-section recovery. Mm -hmm. I think the OB that I had who did it, she did a great job with the staples and Mm -hmm. um, the whole procedure. Mm Mm-hmm. And I also, I think my body was prepared well, so it recovered pretty quickly. Okay. I think the, you know, the extra nerves that you have down there Uh made the healing from the tearing Mm -hmm. a lot harder than I expected it would be. Okay. Yeah. I would do a repeat VBAC any day. You know, I'm so excited that I was able to do that. And I love that decision of mine. Sure. But it's definitely, it's not always quote unquote easy. Okay. Um, I would say. And then I also had some pretty nasty internal hemorrhoids um, oh. from the amount of pushing. Got it. Uh, or intensity of the pushing. Got it. And that probably took like nine months to fully heal, I would say. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's a lot. I ended up working with a nutritionist a few months postpartum um, um, because, you know, <laughs> my stools weren't allowing my hemorrhoids to heal, essentially. Got it. So Got it. working Got with it. her definitely helped me get to a much better place as far as that goes. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. And then I also had uh, an issue pop up postpartum. Mm-hmm. Two weeks postpartum, mm-hmm. I found a lump in my breast. Oh. Which I was thinking, oh, I have a clogged milk duct. Right. Um, I'd never had one before. Right. And, you know, I just made that assumption. Right. So I was trying everything I could to unclog it. Right. You know, I didn't want to get mastitis. Sure. And after a few days, I went to go see a lactation consultant. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she checked it and recommended that I go see um, my midwife and get an ultrasound. Okay. Because it didn't feel like a clogged milk duct to her. Okay. So, you know, two weeks postpartum, I ended up having to get an an ultrasound, a mammogram, Uh and I also had to get a breast biopsy because the ultrasound and mammogram were not definitive. Um, Ended up being a benign cyst. Right. So, you know, no big deal besides the fact that I'm, you know, that extra stress. Yeah, that's a lot of emotional. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. And then six months afterwards, I got a repeat ultrasound and the cyst was essentially gone. Okay. 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 Yeah, that's stressful. But at the same time, you have to take it seriously because you certainly don't want to miss anything. Right. Uh, I've unfortunately, um, you know, knock on wood, once in my career diagnosed someone with breast cancer, like pretty like two weeks postpartum, essentially same sort of story unfortunately for her it, it it was it was a cancer so you and I've heard so many stories of women like 
not having that taken seriously and then things didn't go as anticipated. So I'm glad everything ended up yeah. um, being, um, you know, benign, but that it was taken seriously. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, and then how much did he weigh? He was nine pounds, six ounces. Look at you pushing <laughs> out a bigger baby. <laughs> right. That, it was very empowering to hear that. Yeah. The midwives, I think at my 38 week appointment uh -huh. was feeling around and, you know, asked how big my daughter was and if anyone had, you know, thought or made guesses to how big he was. And I right. said, no, no one said anything yet. She goes, right. well, you know, I don't think he's going to be bigger than eight pounds. Right. I don't think he'll be bigger than your daughter. Right. And, right. you know, looking back and thinking, <laughs> is that actually how it felt? Or was she just making me feel good? <laughs> it helps regardless. Yes. You know, thinking, yes. oh, okay, I'm giving birth to an eight pound baby. Right. That's, right. That'll be easy. That's fine. Right, 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 right. <laughs> yeah. Did he feel bigger or smaller? Do you remember? No, I think just with the way that I've carried with both pregnancies, mm -hmm. uh, you know, they kind of get you know, twisted and curled up gotcha. in there and it's not gotcha. really easy to tell exactly how uh, big they are gotcha. just with my stomach size. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. So um, did you breastfeed and did you have any issues there? I did breastfeed and breastfeeding went great. Um, I continued breastfeeding for 14 months. Oh, wow. Um, okay. I, yeah, I would have continued longer and he would have also. Um, <laughs> but I also in the past year was diagnosed with small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. Okay. So I had kind of reached a point where I was ready to heal my own body a little bit more sure. and I couldn't treat that while breastfeeding. Okay. Okay. So, you know, giving him okay. till 14 months, I felt yeah, really that's... happy with that. Yeah. 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 And then when did you see the midwives back postpartum? Uh, I know you said it, you had it for the breast um, mass, but would you have otherwise, did they schedule a six week checkup or did they have you, or were they going to have you come in sooner than that? Um, a six week checkup is their standard. Okay. So I had, you know, the early one because of the breast lump mm -hmm. and then the six week checkup where, you know, everything was great and I was mm -hmm. cleared to exercise and do everything as normal again at that point. Gotcha. Gotcha. Now with the way that your body was healing differently or you felt like things were different, do you wish that you would have had like a checkup sooner or someone to check in at all? Uh, no, I did. Um, you know, the midwives were available via phone also. I think I called them at least once about the hemorrhoids too, okay. to make sure that there weren't any issues there. Got it. So I felt comfortable just with the accessibility of being able to contact them. Sure. Not that I needed to come in to see them in person earlier. Okay. 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 All right. So looking back, how do you feel about the overall experience? It was amazing. <laughs> uh, I feel like it went as best as it could, to be uh -huh. honest. Yeah. Uh, since it, so this labor was just less than five hours and wow. my first was 22 hours. Um, the fact that it went so fast, mm -hmm. you know, I had no choice but to have an unmedicated. Yeah, medic. it was, it was, <laughs> there was no time for an epidural because you right. showed up at the hospital. Just the baby was going to come out. Yeah. yeah. He was ready. Yeah. I was yeah. ready. Um, you know, we made it happen, which is very, very empowering, especially yeah. since he was bigger than my first. Yep. And after my first, I was essentially told, you know, she was just too big to fit through my pelvis. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, looking back, I feel like if I had been given a chance for labor to start on its own mm -hmm. or more of a chance for that to happen. Mm -hmm. And if I had been allowed some position changes mm -hmm. to open up my pelvis more, mm -hmm. I don't think it's that she was too big. It's just, you know, my body wasn't prepped in such a way that it was able to right. squeeze her through. Right. 
Right, right. Yeah, you have to, especially when you have an up after an epidural, you have to move, still move people to try to help get the baby in a good position. And that doesn't maybe sound like that's what what happened in the first instance. Right. But this time it, things went 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 very well. Amazing. I love that. I love that. Yeah. So, what is the one piece of advice that you would give other people as they get ready for their birth? It's so hard to pick just one. <laughs> oh, okay. heard... you can do a couple if you want. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, I've heard several women on your podcast mention education, mm-hmm. which is definitely key. I totally agree with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but to add something to that, yeah. I would definitely say really think about what you want your ideal birth experience to be and then do what you need to, to get there. You know, if Mm -hmm. that means that you switch providers in the middle of your pregnancy or, you know, you hire a doula or you start doing different techniques like meditation, visualization, incorporate what you can in your daily life Mm -hmm. to have that birth experience. Mm -hmm. You know, I think every woman has the right to that amazing positive birth experience mm-hmm. and with the right supportive team, you can get that. I love that. Love it, love <laughs> it, love it. So where can women connect with you? You can say nowhere <laughs> if you're not on social media or anything. Um, I'm not super active on Instagram, but I'll you know get on there and check some messages if anyone wants to connect with me on there. It's at elagreca19. Okay, all right, and we will put that in the in the show notes. Well, thank you so much, Erin, for agreeing to come on to the podcast. There are so many, you know, after our interviews, of course, I do my Doctor Nicole's notes, and I have them all in my head right now. <laughs> <Okay>. Like <laughs> I, I record them later after the interview, but I'm excited to. There's just so many great things about this story and things that people can learn. So I appreciate um, appreciate you coming on. Thank you. Wasn't that a great episode? I'm so glad things turned out well for Erin and she had her beautiful, successful, unmedicated VBAC. Now, you know, when I have a guest on the episode, I do something called Dr. Nicole's Notes, where I talk about my top takeaways from the conversation. Here are my Dr. Nicole's Notes from my conversation with Erin. The first one I want to mention is the importance of meditation and visualization. Those are tools that can just be so helpful in helping you have the birth that you want. There's something about seeing things in your mind as far as visualization goes that helps you to manifest it in your life. And manifest just means to make real. Like I've always had like a woo woo. What do you mean? Like manifest? Are we doing, you know, I don't know, crystals or whatever. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but manifest has sort of a negative connotation, but really all it means is to make real. And when you visualize it, it can help you see the things that you need to, to make something a reality in your life. It doesn't guarantee anything, of course, but it's a tool that elite business folks use, athletes use all the time. Similarly, meditation is great to help you get in that appropriate, calm mind space that you need to control your anxieties, help control your fears about birth. And meditation is just a great tool for your overall health to reduce stress and anxiety, not just in pregnancy, but outside of pregnancy. I believe in these tools and they're so important that actually inside of the birth preparation course, I start with some of these tools and talking about these things in the very first 
module of the course before we even get into anything about labor and birth, because your mindset is so important. So you can check out all of the details of the birth preparation course at drnicolerankins.com forward slash enroll. I also have um, a handy meditation jumpstart guide that you can grab on my website. You can head to drnicolerankins.com forward slash meditate and grab that free guide. All right. The remainder of my comments are going to focus on VBAC specifically, and that's vaginal birth after cesarean. Many doctors would have told Erin that because she got to completely dilated and the baby didn't fit, that it wasn't worth a shot in order to try for this pregnancy. Listen, let me tell you, we do not know if a baby will fit until we try. Okay. We just don't know. And that's in any pregnancy. Also, you can never be told like my pelvis is too small or your pelvis is too small to have a vaginal birth. Uh, uh, clinical estimates of the size of the pelvis are inaccurate in terms of predicting the course of labor or the outcome of labor. So no one can tell you whether or not your baby will fit until you try. One of the most humbling experiences that I have with the VBAC, a patient who had a delivery uh, by C-section at 35 weeks. And this was after a failed vacuum birth. So not a big baby at 35 weeks and then came back and she was like 37, 38 weeks, bigger baby, of course, couple weeks bigger and had a completely fast vaginal birth. We just don't know until we try and every pregnancy is different. You will see VBAC calculators out there that give you a percentage chance of success for VBAC, those are trash because I have so often seen that people put in the numbers in the calculator, they have a low chance of success and go on to successfully have a VBAC or the flip side where the numbers may be high and they don't have a successful VBAC. So those calculators really aren't helpful. I think they just mess up people's mind space for the most part, especially if the results aren't something that are encouraging. And then the final thing I'm going to say about VBAC is that you most certainly have to find a supportive doctor, midwife, and hospital for VBAC. This is crucial, crucial, crucial. And of course you want to, you need that for any birth, but you definitely need to find it for VBAC. And you don't want to find someone who is just a, a tolerant of VBAC and says things like, Oh, if you go into labor or, um, you know, if by 39 weeks you've had a vaginal birth, that's fine. You know, you, you don't want to find someone who's just tolerant of it and seems like, okay, well, if it happens, it happens. You really want to find someone who is supportive of VBAC and that can make all the difference. Uh, a couple of resources, VBAC link is one. VBAC facts is another one that you can look for if you are trying for a VBAC. All right. So there you have it. Share this podcast with a friend. Sharing is caring and helps me to reach and serve more pregnant folks. Helps me to fulfill my passion and purpose of helping people have the most beautiful pregnancy and birth experience. So I would so, so appreciate it if you share the podcast. Also subscribe to the podcast. Where are you listening to me right now? whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or all of the 
dozens of other podcast players that are out there. Also leave me a review in Apple podcast. I'd love to hear what you think of the show. It helps other women to find the show. And speaking of hearing what you think, shoot me a DM on Instagram. Let me know what you think about the podcast. I'm on Instagram at Dr. Nicole Rankins. I love to hear the impact that the podcast has had on people. So feel free to reach out to me and, and DM and shoot me a message on the gram. So that's it for this episode. Do come on back next week and remember that you deserve a beautiful pregnancy and birth. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.